You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to yet another Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Myself here, Colm, as always, and uh, today we're going to be talking some NFL draft along with some AFC East talk, and we're going to be joined by our friend Chris Trapasso, very interesting stuff every time we get him on to, to talk about the draft or anything around the National Football League. So he's going to be joining us in the OTI Red Zone in just a little moment. I'm here on my own today as uh, DJ, yet again, is uh, very busy on his schedule. I'm just, after coming back from the gym, fitted in a workout and uh, talked to Chris Trapasso with the interview that I'm going to take to you in just a moment. So really, uh, it's been a busy day all around and uh, DJ, a little too busy to, to join us on his uh, schedule at the moment, but looking forward to getting him back on the show in some of the coming week's episodes. Hopefully, whatever you've been doing since we last talked, you're uh, having a having a good week. Obviously, a lot of people are probably spending their time watching the, the US Masters, the, the golf's ongoing at the moment, some exciting stuff happening on Thursday. Looking forward to seeing what happens over the weekend and maybe all of an Irish man getting the green jacket at the end of it if Rory McIlroy's plan goes goes to play. But as we talk, uh, Jordan Spieth, the American, is uh, really running away with it at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to watch the weekend's coverage. I do like to watch a bit of golf in my spare time as well. So whatever you've been doing the last week, hopefully you've enjoyed it. As always, when we start off the show, we give a plug to our partners at Last Word on Sport. Do check out their Twitter handle. It's at Last Word on Sport. Their website is lastwordonsport.com. Covered for all sports. And uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the, the end of the college basketball a bit of controversy has been talked about over the past week and uh, obviously all the other sports the, the baseball starting up and so on and so forth so do be sure and check them out it's lastwordonsport.com might as well give a little plug out for ourselves when we're at it obviously you can hit the subscribe button comments ratings all do help us on itunes stitcher whatever you listen to or are available on tune in player fm you can really get us anywhere the best way to find out all the ways to listen to the show is at overtimeireland.com forward slash podcast so keep spreading the word as you have been doing I think I've rambled on far long enough here to start the show, and let's get Chris Trapasso straight on the show now to talk a little bit about the NFL draft. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joined now in the podcast by Chris Trapasso of NFL.com. We've had Chris on quite a number of times uh, during last season, of course, before last year's draft. He really has a a great insight into all things NFL draft, as well as uh, I like to talk a little bit of AFC East with him. But uh, Chris, as always, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Hey, thanks for having me on. I uh, just want to start off, um, we'll start off with the NFL draft talk, I suppose, and uh, the you know stuff come out today that Jameis Winston's uh, attorney, and that is David Conwell, um, has said that he doesn't think he's ready for uh, being an NFL player off the field. He thinks he's ready for everything that comes with being on the field, but it's off the field. And I'm going to take it from a, a different point of view, as uh, I've heard most people talk, and most people just think that, you know, making the point that he's talking down about uh, Jameis Winston, but he's made the point that he's said that it's about... Uh, how these players when they come into the league a lot of them very young only 21 22 years of age still most of them are probably still quite immature do you think that uh, every player that's going in probably into this draft process is probably in the same boat as Jameis and probably isn't ready for the life that comes with uh, becoming an NFL player yeah I do and when you really look at the full quote from Winston's attorney today although he did lead with what you said that you know, he didn't think Winston was, was ready from an off-the-field or a just notoriety standpoint. He did go on to say that he doesn't really think any player, like you said, 21, 22, some of these guys are redshirt sophomores, uh, so they're very young. They're not ready for the limelight, especially a quarterback, and in particular a quarterback who's probably going to be the first overall pick 
um, that there's just so much that, that goes into it from all of a sudden all your friends from high school and middle school uh, want to be your best friends again. You're getting so much publicity. There's just so much pressure on you, uh, especially, again, if you're a quarterback. So I think he, he it's refreshing that someone who's clearly in Winston's corner um, didn't just roll out the politically correct answer and, and say, my client is totally ready. He's, you know, he's the perfect prospect. He, it, it was a unbiased, objective thing for him to say. And I'm sure a lot of the tweets, I'm actually seeing um, a lot of the tweets uh, are really trying to get people to click on the articles and, yeah, yeah. and they're saying Winston's attorney bashes him, says he's not ready. Um, and I think even Jameis Winston would, would probably agree to that, that it is going to take him some time from a maturity perspective to, to get the off the field, the, the preparation that, that needs to go into being a quarterback. So I, I personally liked what I heard from his attorney and that he wasn't just giving a politically correct answer. He was giving the truth that a lot of these young players think they're ready, but until they're actually in the NFL, uh, going through stuff with the media, with uh, with learning the playbooks, all the, the off the field and the mental side, then they can really um, totally translate to the NFL. So I don't really didn't really take it as Winston's attorney bashing him. He was just giving a true statement. Yeah, I thought that as well. And when you look at players who've come in, I know you can you know if a player maybe is playing safety or linebacker, that it can be a little bit more sheltered from it. But when you're the the quarterback and Jameis mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be a quarterback. He's going to be starting week one next season, so there's going to be a lot of media attention coming along with him, like he's had in his last two years at college as well. But really, the only guy that has come in and had no real media issue has been Andrew Luck. Because you know, I'm going to ask you a few questions in a wee while about RG Three. But when you know RG Three said some, you know, begged himself up maybe a little bit too much in the in the media and that, and the only one that's really come in and handled it well is Andrew Luck, and it does take a very special character and uh, an, an organization, I suppose, as well. Like the Colts have helped him develop both on the field and off the field. Yeah, and I think Andrew Luck, I mean, he obviously had his father uh, as well. everything. Yeah, uh, his dad being a college athletic director, former NFL quarterback himself, um, and obviously Andrew Luck had everything from a physical standpoint uh, with his size, his arm, his ability to read the coverage, his accuracy, played in the pro-style offense at Stanford. But I think what really elevated him above, let's say, Sam Bradford, who at the time in 2010 was seen as a near-perfect quarterback prospect as well, was the fact that Andrew Luck was really ahead of the game in all those things we were just talking about. Um, the mental preparation that goes into it, how to handle himself with the media. Um, you know, If he has a bad game, that he's not going to go on a tirade, he's not going to blame his teammates that he really was ahead of, of anyone that we've seen probably since Peyton Manning in terms of what he or how advanced he is uh, between the ears. And I think that's what really has separated Andrew Luck uh, in terms of coming into the NFL and, and being able to produce at the quarterback position right away. Winston is not there yet. Most, you know, 99% of the quarterback prospects are not there. So I think that's a good point that, although there have been some quarterback prospects, and I think Winston's close in terms of what he can do on the field. Um, Luck was a, a, a full step ahead in in terms of the mental side of the game. Yeah, you mentioned Peyton Manning as well there, so I guess all of these uh, prospects need to do coming into the NFL is have a, a former NFL quarterback as their father to, to help kind of groom them in that, in that role. 
Yeah, I think that was huge. I think, you know, when you have uh, Peyton Manning, I think Eli Manning even was able to uh, handle himself very well. And they obviously had Archie Manning, who was a good quarterback for the Saints in his day, that I think having that tutelage in-house where it's someone you trust, it's your father, I think that can go a long way with the quarterback prospect and really went a long way with Peyton Manning, with Eli Manning, and then now with Andrew Locke. And uh, Jameis Winston, while we're on him, he's he's meeting up with the the Titans on Monday for a visit with them down in Tennessee. And you know, obviously he has to go make all the meetings. He probably go down as far as the sixth, seventh, eighth team, whoever wants to meet up with him. But at the moment, it looks like uh, surefire number one in this draft. Do you think there's any way that he drops past Tampa Bay at uh, number one? I don't. I mean, this week with Mike Mayock changing his quarterback rankings, I kind of spent a shockwave through all of draft Twitter and, and a lot of the draft analysts and media and fans uh, in the fact that he put Marcus Mariota above Jameis Winston. But I just think while Mariota is certainly not just a, a quarterback coming from a, a gadget offense, um, I think he's a lot better of a prospect that that we've seen a lot of these quarterbacks coming from this spread zone read, a lot of bubble screen offenses that they can't really translate. I think Mariota uh, is further ahead of most of those guys that we've seen in the past. Um, but Jameis Winston just has so much on his resume, and and not just stats, not just the fact that he only lost one game as a starter at Florida State, just the fact of all the pro-style stuff, the anticipation throws, the accuracy, the fact that he was able and to me, this is a huge plus. To others, it's not. The fact that he was able to have horrible first halves where he made an anticipation throw and his receiver didn't run the perfect route, or he thought a linebacker was going to follow a crosser over the middle and he threw a pass behind the linebacker and the linebacker made a great play play for an interception. The fact that he was able to go through multiple games where he you know, put his team in, in horrible spots and some of them were on the road, and then come back and just totally forget about it and, and not be tentative, not be afraid, and have tremendous second halves against Louisville, against Florida this past season. I think that, to me, against Miami, I think that is what we kind of saw from Andrew Luck at Stanford when he did throw an interception, that it didn't change his game. That In the NFL, he, he knows he's going to throw interceptions, he knows he's going to make bad throws, but you need to be able to move on to the next drive and keep your team in the game. So... I think there's really no chance, I would say less than a, a, a 10% chance that the Bucks pass on Winston and take Mariota or, you know, a Vic Beasley or a Dante Fowler, Leonard Williams. I think Winston will be the first pick. Yeah, as well, Mariota, obviously, you mentioned that Mayock put him to number one in his rankings, but I find a lot of the media that had been going around the last maybe two or three weeks prior to that was similar to what, after Teddy Bridgewater's pro day last year, there was a lot of people saying, you know, it obviously the bad pro day and what went on after that, and they dropped all the way to the end of that uh, first round. But, you know, when you're looking back at last year's draft, before the draft when the season ended, he was probably the best quarterback in that class, and at the moment you can still argue that he's the, the best quarterback in that class. Did you find that maybe the, the media attention of saying that he didn't play in a, a you know a polished NFL-style offense, he was playing in the spread offense, didn't do much out of the, or with a huddle or that, that uh, do you think that that... Uh, was justified, or do you think it was slightly over-exaggerated? Uh, I think with Teddy Bridgewater, it was uh, a case of the fact that he wasn't this six foot four, two hundred and thirty yeah. pound big, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning 
uh, type quarterback in terms of his size. He was a little bit smaller, but it really, I wish I had a perfect answer here, but it was really baffling to me and to a lot of others that why Bridgewater wasn't far and away the number one quarterback on, yeah. on pretty much everyone's boards because when you looked at uh, Johnny Manziel, he was a tremendous college player. He was, I think, the most fun college player to watch those two seasons when he was a Texas fan. I mean, just never really knew what he was going to do. But we've gotten to the point where, although we've seen seasons from RG3, uh, Colin Kaepernick in the past, uh, the the rise of the, mo- of the mobile quarterbacks, um, happen, and it seems as though now defenses and defensive coordinators know how to plan for it and know how to stop it. That through the test of time, the guys like Brady, Breeze, Manning, uh, really Aaron Rodgers is the only one who who doesn't exactly fit this uh, prototype, but the guys who can stay in the pocket, subtly move away from rushers, and still make accurate throws, make good decisions, uh, that is what wins in the NFL. And Teddy Bridgewater's film at Louisville, he wasn't playing in a totally spread open system. I mean, he had been uh, on the center. He had, you know, done five and seven step drops. His film showed the best pocket passer traits uh, and experience and, and accurate throws. I think, too, the fact that he was playing at Louisville and, and not against top-level competition may have hurt him. And then, like you said, the pro day happened, and it was a little bit of a windy day. He didn't have the greatest performance. Uh, he wasn't very accurate. I think maybe nerves kind of got the best of him that day. So I think that kind of dropped him down. And then, uh, conversely, you had Blake Bortles, who was much more prototypical um, size, but he was playing in much more of a, a spread offense, similar to the one Marcus Mariota plays so with a lot of bubble screens, a lot of five wide receiver sets a lot of just one read and go. So it was really baffling watching um, that whole draft process kind of sort out last year with Bridgewater, you know, by the media not being viewed as the consensus number one quarterback. And then obviously by NFL teams as well, because he fell all the way to the last pick in the first round. But then, oddly enough, or ironically enough, he had far and away the most impressive rookie season for any of the quarterbacks uh, who were taken early. Yeah, it's it's funny the way it's still this uh, the whole NFL draft prospect still a very inexact science. It probably has improved with the you know different statistics and that over the year, different analysis, but still um, you know media and everything, the hype that gets into it can help a player up the board or down the board. We're talking about quarterbacks. The last quarterback, it's not really going to be a draft question, but I guess no way it is. There has been some talk that with the Redskins picking at five, that if Mariota was to drop all the way down to them, a possibility of them taking him. RG3 obviously had his injury two years ago, came in last year, played part of it, got injured again, and all the stuff that went on there. Do you think that he is still the right man for the Washington Redskins, or do you think there's a slim chance that they might take a quarterback there? Um, I would say this season is probably the put-up or shut-up season yeah. for RG3. Uh, he's going to be coming off a off season where he's fully healthy. Um, it would be his second year under Jay Gruden, uh, so we can't say that he's just learning a new system and that's kind of stunting his growth. Um, he's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. He's been in the league for a while now. So I think that um, the Redskins' new GM, Scott McLuhan, is a pretty savvy guy. He's, he's you know, had a pretty good resume with the 49ers, drafting a lot of that team that ended up, you know, going to those um, – so, like, having deep runs um, in the playoffs, going to those NFC title games, 
and then he was a consultant with the Seahawks and was part of a draft team that drafted a lot of good players and a lot of good players late. I think he gives RG3 and then, you know, potentially Kirk Cousins or Colt McCoy one more season um, and uses this draft, and he's already used the free agent period, to really build a better Redskins roster, that the defense has been very bad, the secondary especially has been pretty horrible, um, and they need an edge rusher. They have Ryan Kerrigan, but Brian Arakpo left in free agency. I think there's a much better chance, considerably a much better chance, that the Redskins either just take the best pass rusher on the board at five or potentially move down. And to me, I, I could see them moving down, giving a few extra picks, maybe you know pretty early in the second or third round, uh, and then taking Randy Gregory, a guy who's probably going to drop a little yeah, bit because them. of the failed drug test at the Combine and the fact that he kind of admitted that at Nebraska um, he was smoking weed a lot, and I think that's, you know, he's going to enter the NFL already in the drug abuse program. So if there's another um, running with the law, or if he gets, or if he fails another um, drug test, I should say that he's probably going to face a suspension. But he's a great pass rushing prospect, uh, super long, super explosive, uh, has a lot of pass rushing moves. I could see the Redskins trading back to somewhere between 10 to 12 and still being able to get Gregory there and then, you know, adding a few more picks. So I think this season and this offseason for the uh, Redskins' new GM is more, hey, let's build this team. Let's have, you know, 2016, if RG3 hasn't taken a step, is when we'll look to add that franchise quarterback and put him in a situation where he doesn't have a a horrible defense, a bad offensive line, no weapons. Let him... uh, join a team that is ready to win the NFC East and compete for, for a uh, playoff spot. Because the last two seasons, although RG3 certainly was injured and didn't play well at all, the Redskins roster from top to bottom was, was not very good at all. So I think that's priority number one is building the overall roster. And then if RG3, if Kirk Cousins, if Colt McCoy don't play up to you know competent uh, caliber, then I think then that's when you'll see the Redskins look for a signal caller. Yeah, I think so far they had a, a good start to free agency, and uh, you know the draft dropping back down might be the the best decision for them. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there, and obviously there's a lot more needs on this team than the quarterback position. The Steelers might have a need uh, in the draft here. Obviously, uh, a lot of people were expecting it. I think it was what the Steelers wanted. They didn't want to have to to cut Troy Palomalo, but he's retired from the Steelers. Do you think they draft a replacement? Uh, you know, they're drafting towards the, the kind of twenty either twenty second twenty second pick in the first round of the draft, do you think? They try and go for safety there? Um, well, we do have um, a few younger safeties on the roster, most notably Shamarco uh, Thomas. If Landon Collins, the safety out of Alabama, is there when they pick, he will be considered. But to me, it, it's going to uh, really matter what cornerbacks are available. I think if, if one of the better cornerbacks in the class, say Trey Waynes out of Michigan State, I think even... If you kind of Byron Jones is there, who you know completely destroyed the combine with his athleticism, I think first and foremost the Steelers will look for a cornerback instead of a safety. And but in round two and round three, I don't think um, you know just having uh, Thomas on the roster will stop them from from taking a safety. But I still think cornerback is probably their most pressing need. 
Just before we finish up, just a couple of questions on the AFC East. Obviously, the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year. They've lost quite a number of players, the likes of Shane Vereen, Stephen Ridley, yesterday signing with the New York Jets, Revis also with the Jets. They did re-sign Devin McCarty, but uh, a lot of the other teams in this division making big moves, no more so than the, the Buffalo Bills, and that there, LaShawn McCoy and Kiki Alonso trade, and then took in Matt Castle in a trade. Percy Harvin was signed as well, Rex Ryan's new head coach. How big of a step do you think this team could take this year? They obviously impressed a lot of people last year. A lot of people weren't expecting a, a huge amount off them. But with Kyle Orton, the quarterback, they, they did do quite a decent job throughout the season. Very strong on defense. And uh, with those changes this year, what do you expect from the Buffalo Bills? Well, I've said this um, a few other times on a few other radio spots that I've done. But when you really look at it from top to bottom, and obviously Tom Brady is the ultimate equalizer for the Patriots. But without uh, looking at just the quarterback spot, the Bills have the best top-to-bottom and you know elite talent at the top roster in the entire AFC East. So it'll really come down to you know how much better does Tom Brady make the Patriots, and you know can the Bills get competent quarterback play out of Matt Castle or EJ Manuel. Um, so I think you know a team that went nine and seven last year. A lot of the same defensive pieces are in place. They, you know, the big issue is obviously the offense. And I think in particular, the offensive line, uh, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods, uh, were both very young wide receivers last year who both had over 60 catches. So, I mean, you would probably think that they're going to each take a step forward. Um, I just think that this is a team that, you know, they were in the playoff hunt last year, you know, going down to the last two weeks of the season. I think this is a team that their goal and their realistic goal should be, you know, 10 and six or better. I think this is the season, um, with, with Kyle Williams getting up there in age. Mario Williams is not super young anymore. Uh, I think this is the season where they say, Hey, we need to either overtake the Patriots or if we don't, you know, win the AFC East, we need to make one of those wild card spots and kind of do what we saw Rex Ryan do on uh, 2009 and 2010 with the Jets, you know, win it with a good, uh, a good running game and a great defense and see how far they can go in the playoffs. So I think this is a team that is certainly a force to be reckoned with. I think it'll really come down to the quarterback play and then indirectly from that, the offensive line, which was a, probably the biggest problem and was probably the main reason why the Bills did not make the playoffs was that they could not run the football because they really had trouble uh, blocking for the run, and it really led to E.J. Manuel being pressured early in the season and um, Kyle Orton, who's not a very mobile guy, being pressured a lot and leading to a lot of inaccurate throws. So uh, with Richie um, Incognito in the fold, I expect them to draft an offensive lineman. They have a few uh, second-year offensive linemen who are probably going to get a shot. Um, I think this is definitely a team that can really match up in terms of roster with any team in the AFC, if not the entire NFL. It's just going to come down to the offensive line and the quarterback. Yeah, obviously with the team running the ball too. Last year, towards the mid to end of the season, they had a lot of running back injuries with CJ Spiller, Fred Jackson, and so on. There, were, you know, a lot of knocks uh, that slowed down the running game for them. Obviously, it's going to be tough to to get ahead of the Patriots, but with the Patriots maybe taking a step back, the, the Bills taking a step up. You mentioned the Bills had a good run last year and probably should have made it into the playoffs. A team that should have made it into the playoffs on their start and kind of middle form of the last two seasons, probably the Miami Dolphins, but they've really fallen away then when it's got to got to the mid like got a crunch time for them. 
Do you think, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised that they signed in Dominic and Sue. Do you think it was a, a good signing for them? It's one that I, I'm not too impressed with so far. Do you think it will work out for them? Well, I just said that I think the Bills, or that I'm, I'm, that I definitely believe that the Bills have the best, um, not, I mean, discounting quarterback, they have the best roster in the AFC East. Yeah. I think second would be the New York Jets, and third is the Dolphins, only because, and to really get down to your, uh, question. I think signing Indominus Sue was fantastic. He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But however, with signing him because of the massive contract, they had to cut Randy Starks. Uh, they weren't able to re-sign uh, Jared Odrick, who was kind of an emerging younger defensive lineman, very versatile. So you take away Randy Starks, who was a very underrated defensive tackle. Odrick's gone. So, I mean, how much better are you getting? You're you got rid of two of your better defensive linemen to add one really good player. I think they have holes at wide receiver still, even though um, they brought in Kenny Stills, who's probably just a younger version of Mike Wallace. He's probably a little bit more consistent than Mike Wallace ever was or, or ever will be, but he's mainly a, a smaller deep threat. Uh, Brian Hartline's gone. Uh, I think so they have an issue at wide receiver. Their linebacking core is not great. Um, they certainly have one of, I mean, still have one of the better defensive lines in, in the AFC simply just because of Sue and Cameron Wake. But right now in terms of overall roster, um, Ryan Tannehill would, would certainly give them a boost over the Bills and the Jets at the quarterback spot right now. But the overall roster is probably the third best um, or you know, the worst in the AFC East. They're a team that's, that's probably, again, like they have been the last couple of seasons, like you alluded to, going to be right in that, you know, a bounce here and a bounce there, and they're 8-8, eight and eight, or a bounce here and a bounce there, and they're kind of such. I think it's still a pretty good roster. They have, you know, this draft is vital for them because they do have holes at cornerback, at safety, uh, at wide receiver, at, at you know, off-the-ball linebacker. Uh, so this is a draft that will be very important. It will probably be the difference in that 8-8 eight and eight or 10-6 and six record. Yeah, and you mentioned there, I was going to say when you were finishing up, it's going to have to be a huge draft for them because I think they have a lot of holes signing a player like Sue. It's going to leave you in that situation when you have so much money allocated to one player. And, of course, they got Mike mm-hmm. Wallace out of town, which I think that was a big help to them as well. But, uh, Chris, yeah, sure. I've held you on long enough. It's been it's been great talking to you, all things draft and AFC East. Of course, you can follow Chris on Twitter. It's at Chris Trapasso, and uh, he's NFL.com homepage editor. So any of the good stuff you see up there on NFL.com, he's the man getting it all set up for you. Thanks, as always, Chris, for coming on. Hope to talk to you again in the future. All right, Colm. Thanks a lot. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. As always, thanks to Chris for coming on the show. I mentioned there you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Chris Trapasso. Well worth a follow, especially coming up to the NFL draft. Lots of interesting thoughts. And as I mentioned, the AFC East is something that he takes a lot of time to talk about and uh, you know anything to do especially with the buffalo bills you always get great insight in there and thanks as always as i mentioned for him coming on the show when i was talking to him i did mention about troy palomalo retired from the pittsburgh steelers and the nfl after 12 seasons in the league i think it's something that the uh, pittsburgh steelers were hoping he would do rather than try and play on for another season because i think 
they were, uh, you know, not going to keep him around. And I think it's the, the best for both parties. Palomalo, obviously, I would say he'd lost a couple of steps over the last season in particular. And uh, injuries and that in the last few years have started to play a bit more part in his game. But an absolutely phenomenal player. I think he's definitely going through the Hall of Fame. I would say that he's a good chance to go be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Some of the stuff in his career, some of the, you know, highlight moments, like guess we'll call them, you know, different sorts of stuff. We all see him jumping over the line of scrimmage and so on at the snap of the ball from time to time, doing some crazy stuff like that. A lot of his game was based on instincts and then once those instincts start to weigh in it's, it's time to step away from the NFL field and hang up those cleats and uh, definitely a, a colourful character and one that uh, brought great joy I'm sure to many many Pittsburgh Steelers fans over the last 12 years a, a phenomenal asset to the team and uh, we'll see what he decides to do after he steps away from the NFL playing field so it's Troy Palomalo hanging up his cleats and uh, one of, I'm sure you know the Steelers have had many many great great players in their time and uh, he's he's another one to add to that list. Adrian Peterson's hoping to get reinstated back into the league this week meeting with Roger Goodell we'll see how that all plays out I would fully expect him to get put back in uh, you know and we'll see then where things go with the Minnesota Vikings whether the trade does develop with another team and what happens so on and so forth I think uh, you know if, uh, if Roger Goodell decides to hand down another punishment of a ban I don't know what way it's going to land out but I, I don't think that's going to happen here I think you know he missed all the last season although he did get paid for the the majority of it um just a sticky situation that the NFL had to deal with. The Vikings obviously are feeling the backlash of it now from Adrian Peterson and his agent because he feels that uh, they didn't stick up for him, they didn't stay behind him when he was, you know, in in the situation where I think it was around November, maybe the start of December, where he had the plea deal taken down to a lower standard of offence and, you know, they didn't really try and help him get back into the league. I think he could have possibly played in the last three games of the season, but that wasn't to be and we'll see what happens now this coming week. I uh, just wanted to touch on that. Last thing, it involves two more running backs, LeGarrette Blunt, given a one-match ban by the NFL for his role in the situation while he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Le'Veon Bell. But uh, the, the news coming out just seems to be that Le'Veon Bell is likely to get a three-match ban, which would be a huge blow also to the Pittsburgh Steelers as you know he was the driver of the car. I don't know what the situation going on in the car was. Obviously, there was uh, marijuana being smoked and the police came and so there was the whole incident there, but I don't know what way it went down with the police, whether maybe Le'Veon Bell caused a little bit more of a stir, maybe he resisted the, the officer's uh, demands or whatever, and uh, he, he looks like he's going to get treble the ban that came the way off Garrett Blunt. So that's a, another blow to Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers, and of course many of his fantasy owners uh, you know, around, around the world. So we'll see, uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it does look like it's going to be a three-match suspension, and... Uh, also a fine of an additional game check as well so it's gonna be a quarter of a season without pay really for Le'Veon Bell this upcoming year so we'll see if he appeals it or what what happens but uh, at the moment looks like it's going to be three games for him really out of that there's little bits and pieces coming out of the the news but uh, not a whole wild pile and uh, I guess uh, you know I usually talk about the bad weather in Ireland last week I was talking we had hailstones at this stage and uh, this week now we have a quite glorious sunshine for the last couple of days so while uh, the sun is still out and the rain hasn't come back yet, I'm going to take the time to spend it with uh, my little dog. I'm sure if you're a long-time listener, you know what the name of the dog is. If you don't, uh, you will now. He's uh, he's called Packer after, of course, the Green Bay Packers. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to take him out for a little walk now. Hopefully, enjoy some of the sunshine. And of course, uh, until I'm back next time, have a good one. And don't forget, go pack, go. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word.
This has been an Overtime Ireland production.